0: Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. another episode of alex episode 107 this podcast is part of the batman universe podcast network my name is tim and joining me making his grand return is dane dane you're back
1: yes i am i'm finally back after
0: what a month and a, a month and a week yeah just about
1: yeah it's, it's been a long time um I'm, I'm, I'm kind of out of uh out of sync with this podcast. <laughs>
0: well, let's be honest, Dane. When are we ever in sync? <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised I got that intro right.
1: <laughs> hey, you got to take it as a win. It's just like your Yankees, you, you know, you, you got to savor those wins.
0: Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> 15-minute discussion before we record about how bad the Yankees are. and You had to bring it up again.
1: <laughs> it must be that new stadium with those VIP seats. Or those uh, luxury seats. I can't remember what they're called.
0: The seats nobody sits in. <laughs> yeah, the padded seats. Oh, uh, it's funny. I don't know if you heard about this. Like, opening day, there was these two... The guys in the front row dressed in, like, Ninja Turtles pajamas, or, like Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah, clothes. the
1: John Oliver thing.
0: Yeah, like, he <laughs> sent them down there because someone in the Yankees, like, higher-ups in their front office said uh, something like where the people who sit in those seats don't want to – wouldn't want to sit with the fans in the other sections, something to that degree. And that kind of made <laughs> the host upset if <laughs> he sent those guys out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, uh, I always see those things empty.
0: I mean, I know the exactly. Yankees game.
1: That thing is always empty.
0: Yep. Even in postseason games, like it, they get wow. filled eventually, but they're not yeah. filled up right away. Like the first two innings or so, and it just doesn't look right. <laughs> Come on.
1: So, what exactly do you get from that?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I just know they're expensive. They're good seats, yeah. but I don't know if there's any other perks. Like if it's there's free food. Free food yeah. Or I would hope so, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Yankees can be kind of cheap sometimes, so maybe
1: not. Yeah, because I I see a waitress um, bringing bringing the food to those people that are sitting there so
0: yeah but if, oh, are they paying for it that's the question. yeah yeah that's <laughs> uh, but they won today so i'm in a pretty good mood <laughs> Their good, good, second win in a row which is a season high that's how great they've been <laughs> uh, but dane you've missed a few big things and none other than our last few episodes another bigger than batman v superman and we've had our special episode with mark on it had josh on the last episode he gave his thoughts on it i gave my thoughts on it for almost three hours so i we got to hear your thoughts we got to let the listeners know what Dane thought of batman v superman so i Uh-oh. i actually haven't heard you say we texted about it but i haven't heard you go yeah. into in depth about it so if, go ahead and give your quick review or thoughts on how you feel about it now that it's uh, just about a month old, which is hard to believe, but let's hear it.
1: Okay, well, um, I'll just say up front that it, it's okay if you like it. Um, I have no problem with it, and I'm cool with it. But uh, I've seen it three times, and yeah, I, j- I just don't like the movie. It's I didn't like it at all. Um, it's way too long. The, the story is really, really weak, which is what I feared going into that movie. Yeah,
0: that's what we said on our episode um, before going into it. That was your concern. <laughs> that whole
1: subplot with the senator and bringing in Superman to to uh, speak with the the Senate hearing board or whatever that's called was just—it felt like a giant waste of time. That whole Woolis thing that they kind of, you know, start off the movie with. Mm-hmm. That was totally unnecessary, in my opinion, because, I mean, I know you need to write her into that story, but it just it just didn't work in the end. And that whole first hour and a half, I would say, that hour, hour and a half, was just so painful to sit through. It, that, that whole thing with Lex, I, I don't even think... I don't even think I understand the the full scale of his plot because I was just so disinterested in everything that he was doing and trying to get Zod's body and the spaceship and the, the crypt, Kryptonian DNA and the, all that stuff. Um, Jesse Eisenberg, I just didn't like. He overplayed it. He didn't have that sort of command that I thought that Lex would have. Even when he did go crazy, you know I, I can understand be early in the movie you know when he when he's first being introduced, and that whole story with his dad i don't, I don't even know what's going on there and lex they they kind of built built the story around lex he was the main bad guy i mean if I, I don't know if you want to call doomsday the bad guy, but um,
0: not the, the main bad guy, that's for sure <laughs> the yeah Alex yeah is the main he, guy. he
1: was kind of like the I bane see. in that uh, Robin. <laughs> yeah yeah so um that whole thing i i just did not care about jesse eisenberg just missed the whole point of lex completely and, and and i know people like like his portrayal of lex like like mark likes his portrayal of lex but i just i just couldn't get into it he overplayed it like i said and He's a good actor, and I I don't know why it just didn't translate in this movie. But um, to me, the best part, and maybe I'm biased because I do Batman podcast, is is Ben (laughs) Affleck. It's Batman. Every scene that he was in, I was totally interested in and totally focused on. And I have to say, that warehouse fight at the end,
0: Mm -hmm. that's one of the... Best Batman fight scenes I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Probably the that, best. i go as far as say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's right up there with that that building fight in Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Affleck was the highlight uh, of this movie for me. I, I love this Batman. I know a lot of people didn't like his Batman because they thought it was too brutal. He was too violent. But at least it was something different. And at least... You know, it felt like Ben Affleck was really invested in in Bruce Wayne and, and Batman. So, I just thought he was the best part of uh, of this movie. Uh, that that scene with uh, or that warehouse scene was the best part of this movie. I thought the Trinity the Trinity scene would be the best, but it's that warehouse scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman was also really really good. I, but but you see, like I'm I'm unsure if it's because I don't know anything about her story right now, or if it's because Gal Gadot played her so well. No,
0: I think it's because Gal Gadot played her so well because yeah. that's has been, like you said, a lot, Ben Affleck's been the best part as his portrayal as Batman has been the best part for a lot of people, and I think Wonder Woman, I think pretty much universally, a lot of people did not have a problem with her and saying she was other than Ben Affleck would be the best part too of the whole thing. So that yeah. is something I think it's a good chalk up to Gal Gadot.
1: But I mean, I guess to, to just kind of cut this short, it, it, I'll just say that you have like three of the biggest superheroes in this, mo- in, in this one movie and what I feared happened, the, the story was weak and the, tried to cram so much into one movie that it it just made it boring I I, I was literally bored for the first like hour and a half of this movie just nothing happens and you have like I said you have three of the biggest superheroes and what do you do you have Superman go give testimony you have Batman (laughs) not
0: really blew up before he said one word
1: Yeah, I understand that, but but to lead up to that, it's yeah, like, okay, so what's the point? I mean that that was just a dead plot. That was literally a dead plot point. I mean, I understand that you know, it connects to that whole Lex thing, how crazy Lex is, but you don't have to spend the first hour of the movie building up to that. Building up to something that's so dead and boring and uninteresting. It's so it's kind of like overcomplicating something so much that you lose your original point, which is Batman versus Superman, which we get in the latter half of the movie. But it's, it's kind of like having a Lamborghini and just driving it to your mailbox and not opening it up (laughs) on the freeway. You know what I mean? It's, it's so underwhelming. It's, I mean, yeah, sure. They fight and, I guess somebody wins or I, I guess they become friends then. I don't know. And <laughs> why is Lois there? I mean, who cares? I mean, she, she's the only other civilian there. It's like, I didn't understand why she was there. And I mean, I guess that's the building block of their relationship, that fight. And um, I just, it, it was just totally underwhelming and Again, the trailers played it up to be this big thing, and it ended up just being flatlined for me.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, Dane, you're not alone <laughs> in that opinion. I mean, remember way back I said how the reaction for Batman v Superman is going to be like Man of Steel times ten. It's it is that. It's so divisive. So many people either hate it, love it, and yeah. just downright despise it and think it's the greatest movie ever so it's all over the place and yeah not to repeat myself again because like i said my thoughts on the previous two episodes but i get where you're coming from in certain areas the first hour and a half like you said it's just all over the place for me the big thing was editing there was just too much they're trying to show too much in that uh, span of time with bruce legs clark and lois the center and all that stuff It it was just too disjointed and i will say i did i've seen it twice and it did get better for me on the second time but at the same time there's still those issues there that keeps it from being as great as i wanted to i'll, I'll continue to say that i liked it it's just i was expecting to love it again and then i don't know if i'm ever going to get to the love it point i mean um coming from from where i was expecting to into where it ended up so it's, in the end i'm afraid you're gonna have to say or at least for us anyway it's gonna shock and be chalked up to a disappointment despite having lots of cool stuff in it it just didn't reach the levels that you and me were expecting and, and it yeah. sucks for you that you didn't even like it as much as I did that's a disappointment for you as much as we were look excited for it and couldn't wait for it to come so
1: yeah I mean I just couldn't I just couldn't get into it it, it was that whole beginning with the the slow moving plot in interconnected plot with the dream sequences and yeah. it just didn't work at all as a whole it just didn't work i mean i understand that the scriptwriter won an oscar but that doesn't necessarily mean you write the best stuff i mean maybe that year you did but it just doesn't it, it doesn't mean you've written or you're a great writer mm-hmm. and you have batman like i said you have batman and superman in this movie and wonder woman even though she only makes a brief appearance, you have those three big superheroes, and you literally do nothing with them. I mean, yeah, they kill Doomsday, or send Doomsday into the—I don't know—some other universe or whatever. No, I'm pretty sure but, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, but you you do you do nothing with them. I mean. We do get to see Batman and Superman quote-unquote fight, but it's really just to hit a really weak plot point in a really weak script. You know? The the plot was so bad. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I understand people like it, but it was so bad that... He, this was one of the, those movies where you just tune out, and you, you don't care about the story, and you're just looking for the next action sequence. Which, by the way, the the fight choreography in this movie it was terrible. It was terrible. Besides that Batman warehouse fight, that was the only great fight scene in this movie. The, all the other ones, I I just didn't like.
0: So... Yeah, that's a bummer. I'm so- <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, I mean, just, yeah. Yeah. How big of a Batman fan I know you are, we're looking forward to this. I mean, just even all fans who were disappointed with the movie, it's just a bummer that it came to this point where you know it's not something like i, I was hoping it would be some you know around like the force awakens where every, universally everyone of course not everyone loves the force awakens but universally most people talk to like it and say with well, this one you know you don't know what you're gonna get which is the same for dc fans because we're not at that level of yet of getting movies that everyone's enjoying but if you're the person who loves it that's cool and if not like this this is disappointing that it didn't make it wasn't that type of movie that was, you know, pleasing to a general to a, a wide uh, general audience out there.
1: Yeah. And it and it really shows because y- you know how there's that big drop off in the second yeah. week, in the third week. It just goes to show that you can't just put these characters in some movie and it's going to make a lot of money. I mean, I guess this movie is going to make a lot of money, but y- you're going to have a huge drop off. As time goes
0: on. It made a lot of money, but I think like you said, with having Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman in it, they were probably expecting a billion dollars and I think it's yeah. gonna just fall short of that, which I know like you said, that just kind of proves that it didn't work for everybody when they saw it, because yeah. the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight Rises, that those made a billion just with Batman in there. And you would think with you know, Superman and Wonder Woman, not to mention that they're in the movie, but the fact that it's the first time we're seeing them in the movie. You would think that (laughs) that would draw more of a wider audience for it, but unfortunately not. And, you know,
1: I mean, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to compare this movie to let's say Batman Begins or the Dark Knight trilogy, okay? Okay. The the big difference between, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy is that that movie – you know, it was made by someone who truly understood the deeper meaning of the the characters, and you know, he created his own personal movie. And Batman vs Superman feels like it was written in a in a boardroom with a bunch of executives. It not it or or a guy that read a comic once and you know said, "I like everything." Um, I like everything, but especially the the fight scenes i'm going to recreate the fight scenes and he tried to build the movie around that and you can't really do that i mean yeah you can read the dark knight returns but it's not only about batman and superman fighting it's about it's about gotham it's about where bruce is in his life at that point you know it, it's it's about all of these things but you're only focusing on on certain thi- on the fight scenes and it's it's bad fight scenes too And I mean, I I just can't help but feel that this was made in a boardroom with people who who had no idea who these characters were.
0: Yeah. Beyond the
1: costume designer.
0: And you know, you would think that, like, from how disappointed you are with it, that, like you said, it would be in a boardroom. But it was all, they gave Zack Snyder free reign to do pretty much whatever he wanted on this. So I think it's actually the opposite. I mean, it doesn't change. How it was, so yeah. but it was, if anything, I think maybe now the studio might be a little more hands on, maybe with Justice League, and don't give them too much free rein on it. Considering you know didn't quite reach the success they were hoping for.
1: Yeah, and like I said, I mean it's it, it it's it's like Jack Snyder took what he thought was interesting, which wasn't that interesting, and he tried to make a Batman movie out of it. I mean it was a Batman versus Superman movie without it. Uh, with it and I mean I have to say and I hate to say it I mean especially since I haven't seen these movies yet but it it makes me questionable about Suicide Squad and all of these upcoming movies am I gonna see it am I gonna read the critic reviews first which I didn't do for this movie I didn't read the critic reviews until after I saw the movie and it turns out I agree with them I mean, I know a lot of people out there are saying, you know, don't listen to the critics because this is a fan movie. But, you know, I'm a fan of Batman, but I I agree with those critics.
0: I don't agree with that statement because I know plenty of diehard Batman fans who were disappointed with it also. So it's, yeah, it's just split. (laughs) You're going to find a wide variety of opinions on it. But it's not just where, oh, the critics hate it, but the fans like it. It's kind of, it's all over the place so it's not just the critics who are disappointed with it it's amongst some fans too
1: yeah and I don't know It's I've seen it three times and I I couldn't get into it <laughs> you definitely
0: like, gave it its fair shake that's for sure
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I, I don't even think I'm going to get the, the extended version I don't think I'm going to even wow. buy this on Blu-ray because I mean it's, it just was not a good movie it had too much moving parts and those moving parts weren't that good to start off with. And, you know, I'd say besides Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, um, yeah, that's it. The, <laughs> the, the, the actors were terrible in it. Uh, Henry Cavill seemed like he regressed back into this cardboard cutout. As, <laughs> man, his acting was so stiff and bad and forced that, <sighs> I don't know, it, it just turned me off. And Lois, Amy Adams, I, I don't even know why she's in this movie beyond being a love interest for Superman, where he, you know, he needs to be someplace, but how do we get him there? Oh, we'll put Lois there, you know? Yeah. So, and I've had this question since I saw it the first time, okay? You know when, I mean, after the big Batman v Superman fight, Batman goes and saves... Uh, Martha Kent right mm-hmm. but yet Superman can be in a mountain somewhere in some foreign land and then fly all the way back to Metropolis and save a falling Willis. but he can't go right down the block and save his mom
0: I believe You know, I don't remember exactly what Lex said but he did say something where he'll know if he if he was there or know that he was going to save her and so they probably would have killed her So, but he didn't know Batman would be going there. So I think that's why he went that Batman go and then super. Yeah, but that makes no
1: sense. Because he traveled from a far land in, in a mountain somewhere to go to Metropolis to save Lois in a blink in the in the blink of an eye, but he can't go save his mom in a building uh, when he's like right around the corner.
0: I guess you mean just like go in super speed, grab her and get her out. Yeah,
1: I <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it made a great scene. Don't get me wrong, but i yeah. it, it's a giant plot hole right there. But <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah. Um, it it makes me question all of these Warner Brother DC animated movies. I mean, D- DC movies, live action movies, because I mean, yeah, th- this is only one movie, but. You know, if it's if it's going to be connected all in one universe, how how can we really say that they're different?
0: Well, I think for maybe I understand where you could be concerned for Justice League, something like Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio again, but for for like Suicide Squad and the Wonder Woman coming up, uh, I'm pretty confident in that. Where. This is going to be their director's vision and it's not going to be you know having to fit in with what Zack Snyder did I mean there's going to be certain connections but I'm pretty sure they're going to be their own thing and of course Suicide, is going to be, suicide Squad is going to be the first time we'll get to see if that plays out that way which judging from everything we've seen before it I think it is because it looks totally different <laughs> from what we're seeing in Batman v Superman
1: yeah but at the same time we watched all the Batman v Superman trailers and we were pumped on this movie yet and 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 it's the same thing with, with with the Suicide Squad movie. So, I I don't even know if I'm gonna see it now. I I might I wait would, for you to see it and then I would get say your let the, opinion on it.
0: I would say let that be your last try, since it is a different director or different writers and all that. If that doesn't <laughs> work for you, then maybe <laughs> yeah. uh, your DC movie uh, anticipation and wait to see it will be put on hold for a bit but i would i would say give suicide squad at least a shot yeah but
1: i mean i don't know i mean i i think i'm gonna wait for your review wait for mark's review Um, (laughs) this movie just let me down totally totally let me down um it was a bad movie bad plot bad acting terrible acting um Script was, you can just throw that right in the trash. Um, <laughs> soundtrack was terrible. Besides that Wonder Woman uh, theme, yeah, the was- soundtrack was terrible,
0: man. It actually grew on me the second time I, I saw There was more themes that kind of got stuck with me afterwards. So I yeah. wouldn't say it's terrible. It's not
1: Maybe the Batman theme, but there's not really a Batman theme in it.
0: There is, but it's not... I think it's, I forget what it's called on the soundtrack, but there's definitely one you hear throughout the movie when Batman shows up.
1: Yeah, it sounds like screaming.
0: Yeah, I actually used it for our intro for our last episode, so. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I know that guy from Batman News was pumping this soundtrack because Junkie XL retweeted him once, but the soundtrack was terrible. I'm sorry. (laughs) It was just bad. Um, it just throws this whole thing, like this whole DC live-action universe into question, into giant question, to the point where I'm not even thinking about seeing the Suicide Squad movie or Flash or Green Lantern Corps.
0: (laughs) I think Zack Snyder will be out of the picture by the time we get to Green Lantern Corps. Or even Ben (laughs) Affleck's Batman
1: movie. You know, because it just doesn't seem like a good idea now it doesn't seem like they hit the nail on the head
0: well see i don't think you can put the whole dc movie universe is like uh how the quality is going to be just on one movie sure i can understand this was supposed to set the tone and stage for it and it didn't work for you and that yeah. can make you you know question the other stuff but given how i mean i think justice league is going to be Zack snyder's last time on it and Ben Affleck being on on board for Batman, we don't we still don't have an official official <laughs> announcement as far as what role he's going to be doing it. Besides besides playing Batman, but at all signs point, he's probably going to be directing it. So, I think there's still a lot to be excited about in the DC universe. I mean, Justice League, I think is going to be the big big one. If that is has the same reaction as Batman v Superman, I don't know how far we'll get after that point. If we'll get a Justice League Part Two, or they'll continue on with it, and just get some. New people on there or, yeah. or what, but I think Warner Brothers probably, um, they were maybe contractually obliged to, you know, get have Zack Snyder get, do Justice League. But again, they could, you know, replace him if they wanted to. But I don't know if they're saying, you know, this is it. You got to make this one work and we're going to, like, do what we can to, you know, have a little more control over it to make sure it's more of a crowd-pleasing uh, Movie, so we can, you know, get more people excited about this. Because If Justice League doesn't work, then, then that's where I think you're really going to have a problem on your hands as far as the rest of the DC movies go. But I, I think it's a little I too mean, early to pass final judgment on everything yet.
1: I mean, I'm going to stick by my plan on not seeing Suicide Squad. I, I just can't be let down like that again. (laughs) Um, I know a lot of people are saying that it's, you know, it's going to be good. And, you know, Jared Leto's Joker is going to be really awesome and stuff. But all of these comments I see are from websites that have incentive to say that, you know, all of these comic book sites, the comic book movie sites, the, you know, heroic Hollywood, Latino review, uh, CBR, you know? So maybe I'm not gonna get as pumped as I was for Batman V Super uh for, for Batman v Superman when it comes to the Suicide Squad. Sure, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, which is understandable. But at the same time I still like to have the frame of mind, you know, let's give some a completely different different production crew who's working out of the benefit of the doubt to see what they do with their with that property. So Yeah. But yeah, like I said, disappointing that you feel yeah, sorry to to <laughs> yeah. bring that,
1: to start this podcast off on a bad note. Maybe we should have did this right right in the middle of this podcast <laughs> or
0: something. Um, but but hey, you mean you got to say how you feel, yeah? And try to. I mean,
1: I understand that people like it, and you know, good good on you. Um, and you know, I respect your opinion. To you know, when you say you like it and for a b and c reason but i just couldn't get into it and i know we try to stay in the middle ground here but i don't know this one just let me down (laughs) totally let me down
0: yeah well i think i know what the perfect cure for is that dane what is it tim a minute by minute Dark Knight rises commentary (laughs) cool
1: cool yeah that definitely brings me up
0: you want to start one on Batman v Superman after this, right? Oh, no. <laughs> Getting through that first hour and a half, I'm sure, it will be lots of fun for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun.
0: But for this movie, we're going to be starting on minute 57. We're three away from an hour. That's going to be another milestone. We're th- three minutes away or three episodes away from another huge milestone for this podcast. So that, Yeah,
1: we need to have a party.
0: Yeah. That happens.
1: <laughs> I mean... It'll just be you and me, but at least a party we'll that have lasts. Each
0: other. <laughs> a party that just lasts a minute. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead and get your VHS, laserdisc, HD DVD, Betamax tape, projector, all of the dead media formats that everyone's, of course, still uses, <laughs> and mark it to the fifty-seven mark, and we'll go ahead and start in three, two, one, go. Again, Batman. I said this last time. I just love seeing shots of Bruce Wayne in the bat suit without the cowl. <laughs> yeah, I was about
1: to say the same thing, and we got to see Ben Affleck.
0: Without yeah, the cow. he looked cool in that too. And now we're into one of the more emotional parts of the movie with Alfred and Bruce. I mean, rem- uh, if I remember the trailer, there was a line that Alfred said that got cut in the final movie, wasn't there? Yeah, right here, right? Yeah. It's been so long since I saw that yeah. in the second trailer. <laughs> yeah, but Regardless, the scene still worked right here with Albert. It's great to see Wayne Manor in this movie. For very little.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, very little, but at least we get to see it. Not the Bat Bunker or the, the yeah. Playboy Mansion apartment.
0: <laughs> Not very furnished either. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to stop right no, now. No. Alfred's about to... And Bruce about to shed some tears. <laughs> so did that cheer you up, Dane? Did that minute bring you back? Really. To that, was the, that
1: was the wrong scene to watch.
0: <laughs> that's, that's true. There's a waterworks cover coming. <laughs> <laughs> so right when we paused it, uh, Bruce Wayne has this real sad look on his face <laughs> on the 58-minute mark. And I'm imagining that's your face after you saw Batman It'd Be Super <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much <laughs> uh,
0: well let's try something else our feature topic for this episode and it's going to be one that's going to focus on the batman the animated series because i have to say i've said this before on other podcast i'm currently in the middle of a rewatch going a lot slower than i wanted to <laughs> just because of busy schedules but i'm still continuing on as i'm watching it i'm kind of thinking of some more topics i want to talk about <laughs> this series on future episodes so expect some more later on but for this one i got to thinking after seeing some episodes that there are quite a few villains that they created just for their series and of course we know the biggest one being harley quinn but there's a lot more and i kind of wanted to talk about some of our favorites that have made it throughout the series so this is going to be our favorite animated series batman villains created just for the series other than harley quinn so um for me, I'm probably gonna give my top three that I think work the best and who I'd probably like to see more of, whether it's in, you know, comics or future series and <laughs> uh wishful thinking maybe movies, even though that probably won't happen. But uh for me, my first one actually before I get to my top three, I'm gonna give an honorable mention to one. It's gonna be from the Beware the Grey Ghost episode, The Mad Bomber, The Toy Collector. And do you remember who played him, Dane, in that episode? Who did him? bruce tim <laughs> bruce tim as a mad villainous toy collector and his performance he did a pretty good job of doing like a over-the-top villain who was obsessed with toys and using them to its advantage to try to get money that speech he gave when Batman and the gray ghost confront him it's just bruce tim did a great job playing it, it as for being like one of those like over-the-top villains so i got to give him an honorable mention and he looked just like Bruce Timm in <laughs> like animated four, so I always get a kick out of seeing him in that episode. But uh, for my third choice, is one of my favorite originally created Batman animated series villains, it is probably one that might surprise you because it's an episode I. Don't think a lot of people necessarily like, and the villain I don't think gets remembered too much. But it's actually going to be from The Underdwellers, The Sewer King. And for people thinking, man, why are you picking him? It's because this whole subject matter of that episode, I I think it's a perfect foil or a villain for Batman to go up against. He's someone, you know, takes in orphans or runaway children and he keeps them under the sewers in barbaric conditions, treats them horribly. And as you've seen this villain throughout the episode, Doug, like, you really hate this guy. And I probably, out of all the villains in Batman, the animated series, there is no one other than the sewer King that you want to see Batman just beat up, take down and just, you know, make sure he brings them in. Cause what he's doing is horrible to these kids. And you know, uh, when bat the scenes Batman has with them were great. One of my favorite moments, of the series is when Batman finally gets him and he says, you know, normally I don't pass sentence. That's for the court, but this time, this time I'm so tempted to finish the job myself. And you're like right with Batman as he says that. So, while the villain is someone who's like sleazy, you hate him, his, his voice is even annoying, but yet it fits, it's a villain that you like to see Batman take down. And I think that's kind of what you hope for in a Batman story. A villain that you hate so much, you can't wait for Batman to uh, bring him to justice and he was just a one-off character but i think he did work in this episode i think it's actually an under episode underrated episode really with uh the kids and batman taking in that uh one boy who uh he was able to save and kind of lead him down the lair and you know what bruce went through as a kid uh you know he has uh you know it hits him hard when these kids are being treated like this. So it's, a great, I think, a great story and a villain that you just couldn't wait for Batman to see uh, take down. So the Sewer King is one who I would put on as number three. Maybe a controversial choice, but it's one that I think works well in the course of the story for this episode. So how about you, Dane? Who's a villain that you think worked the best in the animated series? You know, I was thinking
1: really, really hard about this, and I ran into a huge problem. Because every uh, sort of weird villain that I would think of ended up being, you know, in the comics someplace, created in the comics, not specifically for the Batman, uh, the the animated series. But um, the the only one that I remember specifically seeing is uh, Tony Romulus. I can't remember what his villain name was, though.
0: Romulus. Oh, uh, uh, the,
1: the, the werewolf guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I saw it right... I saw that episode. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called, like... Moon of the Wolf. Of the, uh, Moon of the Wolf. Yeah. And um, I seen it right at that critical time where it started to come out that baseball players... We're starting to take steroids. Mm. And I guess this, I mean, this is one of those things where it's like real life in a cartoon. Because yeah. <laughs> he, he takes this serum or this steroid, I guess you could call it, because he wants to be better at the, I can't remember what they call the competition in Gotham.
0: Yeah, I know he was an Olympic athlete. but Yeah, it was like, that's he was a montage where he was doing these different events. So He's always yeah, kind of yeah, a well a, a, a well rounded athlete.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he takes this steroid, and he, it it gives him that extra speed or whatever that he needs to win the. Let's just call them Gotham Games because it rhymes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, he wins it and then, but then the, one of the side effects that he wasn't told about, I think he gets it from Professor Milo, right? One of the side effects is that he turns into a werewolf. I mean, I, I know it's not that original, like Harley Quinn or you know, wh- whoever, but I don't know. Like that, That's just one of those villains and one of those episodes that just really sticks out to me.
0: Well, I don't want to burst your bubble, Dane, but no, well, <laughs> that no, episode well. was actually based on a comic. <laughs> oh,
1: shoot. Shoot.
0: You you know what? For the longest time, I never knew that, but I did find out eventually that it was an episode that was actually written by, uh, I think it was Mara Wolfman, who wrote the actual comic. Oh.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Professor Milo's in the comics,
0: so I should have yeah,
1: assumed that.
0: You know what? I was just thinking, though. I was just about to say, was Professor Milo actually in the comics? I think he might have been created for the animated I series. I think so.
1: I think so, because I remember his hair. He he has like a bowl cut.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, I can understand why you would think it was an original episode. But <laughs> uh, crap. Um, but hey, you Firefly
1: maybe was Firefly created for the animated series?
0: No, he was a comic villain. Yeah. <laughs> daggett, daggit. Yeah, Daggett's one. <laughs> there you go. Okay. That's my one too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you got one <laughs> I, and I gotta correct myself it was uh len ween who did it not marv wolfman
1: oh len ween
0: yeah but my second choice which is my favorite is one that i'm sure it's a lot of people's the phantasm from mask of the phantasm and i know you could say that she was kind of based off the villain from batman year two who was the reaper i believe what his name was <laughs> something's on effect um but yeah it, they did with that character and her connection to Bruce was just so good. And it was worth a villain worthy to be put in a movie of Batman, the animated series. I mean, Joker played a big part in it too, but the phantasm was such a greatly written and complex character with Andrea Beaumont and her past with Bruce and her father's connection to the mob and wanting to get revenge on the mob. And yet, you know, that thing where this even said in the movie where Alfred tells Bruce, when you look in, to that abyss it'll swallow you up and he said how andrea fell into that pit long ago and just kind of showing how far someone can go for revenge and, and especially in the animated series batman mentions a lot of times how he wanted revenge and that just sort of drives him to a point uh in the series so kind of showing the extreme of what he could become through uh the phantasm and i just love too how uh, even though we didn't get many stories with her afterwards they did do a few we got she got a cameo appearance in the justice league episode epilogue um being hired by amanda waller to kill terry's parents even though she couldn't go through with it and then in kyle higgins great batman beyond 2.0 comics she had a very good story arc there so i'm glad the character did live on from uh, just uh, from just being in batman mask of the phantasm because she really is too great of a character just to be limited to one story so i'm hoping that Somehow she can get brought into the comics continuity too, because I think she can really work well in that. And I'm actually kind of surprised she hasn't yet, at least <laughs> as far as I know, and I'm pretty sure <laughs> that she hasn't been brought into any of the DC continuity stuff. So if they want to work that in anytime, I would be more and more open to it <laughs> without any hesitation. So yeah, the Phantasm would be my second choice. And for my first choice of my favorite animated series villain, um, it's got to be I Can, the ninja from the Night of the Ninja episode and Day of the Samurai. Uh, kind of similar to Andrea Beaumont's Phantasm. I just love how he has a connection to Bruce in his past and how it's from his days in training in Japan. I always love that aspect of Bruce's early life and his uh, training in Japan is a one man. I could like, they've decided to do a whole series of Bruce, like a TV show of Bruce training in Japan. I'd be all for that. And they already got a perfect villain for him to go through with Kid I can So he was, not to mention that he was there at that time, but he was the only person who was better than Bruce. Because we all know that Bruce is pretty much one of the greatest martial artists who ever lived in the DC Universe. And the fact that there'd be someone who's even better than him, and then comes back to, so, you know, you just get revenge on Bruce, has to fight against Batman, but you know, he's possibly better than batman which he don't say a lot about too many martial artists he goes up against so that's a really cool aspect of the character and there's some great things that they do with him where uh he doesn't find out bruce's i bruce is batman through the you know more conventional ways bruce makes the point to sell out for that just because he fought him once as batman he knows that he's bruce wayne's because Fight, he knows his fighting style and Bruce even compares it to the fighting style are like fingerprints and he knows like me and Batman are the same. And they have a great climactic battle on the volcano in the Day of the Samurai episode where Skoda uh, kind of tries to use that touch of death on Bruce but Bruce is able you know, to guard himself beforehand and they have a, even though the animation, <laughs> Bruce has said the animation on that sequence fell apart in the end but it still had a good effect of showing the fight between those two characters and the Bruce Tim did make a point to say that Kyo Ken is dead <laughs> at the end of that episode, even though they kind of left it vague, but he is another one who I would love to see brought into like the comics continuity, because he just, to me, is a perfect rival for Batman on the martial arts level, and someone who has a connection to his past and can be a formidable opponent for him as Batman, so... Yeah, Ken Ken's my favorite. Just watching those episodes recently just uh, drove that point home even more where I think he's just a great character created for Batman and would love to see him brought in as someone who would be in Batman's regular rogues gallery because I think he can work really well in several different stories. So he would definitely be my top pick. I have one. Oh, Let's hear it. Mo. <laughs> Mo, yeah, are you are you going for that? Uh, the Joker is Three Stooges henchman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they were they were great in uh, the Beware of the Creeper episode. They had like a big presence in that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, but well, besides that, they're just kind of. Muscle, right?
0: Mm, yeah, <laughs> but the fact they did a, the Three Stooges motif made it just even more fun to watch. <laughs>
1: yeah, and and they they were created by Bruce Tim. Right? They weren't created by some comic writer back in the fifties, right?
0: <laughs> you never know, but I'm going to say they were. And I'm going to say okay. it's Bruce Tim creation. <laughs> okay, I got one. I got one Tim. <laughs> well, I'll chalk it up to two because you did have Daggett.
1: Oh yeah, I had Daggett. Uh, Ferris Boyle. There you, there you go. go. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of, as I was thinking of mine, I go, you know what? I used to just try to look up all the different ones. I go through each episode and see who was on there. So um, just for the heck of it, since I gave my favorites and you had yours, name, I'm just going to read all the original created villains that appeared in the show, despite uh, the ones we already mentioned. Um, well, actually, you know what? Before I do that, I got to mention one of our uh, Twitter followers who responded to this topic. Uh, this comes from a Batman Night Fan. He said his th- top three favorites are Lockup, Baby Doll, and Red Claw, which are great choices. Oh, because... yeah.
1: I forgot about Red
0: Claw. Yeah, Red Claw was a, a good one. I will say, I wish he wasn't introduced in the same episode that Catwoman. Was introduced in the series. I wish it would have focused more on Batman and Catwoman instead of them trying to stop a terrorist group. But she is a cool villain for Batman to go up against, especially in the Lion and the Unicorn episode, which tied into Alfred's past as an agent. So she worked really good there. Just uh, Then the Catwoman one, I thought she should have been saved for later, but she was definitely a good choice. And Lockup was another one who I know made its way into the comics, uh, even though he was only in one episode. But he was a he was a villain, whereas like he had a good origin story to so why he became what he did. Just don't know like how far he could have been used, and I think maybe they ran into that problem because he was only in one episode, and I don't think he lasted too long in the comics. So <laughs> I don't think he's in any current stories or been in the New Fifty Two at all, at least from the stuff I've read. But the premise of him is pretty cool about a over you know cruel uh, security guard in Arkham who you know once he gets fired takes it out on the. Uh, sp- like Commissioner Gordon, the mayor, all the people who you know took his job away for being too rough on the criminals he felt did not deserve it. So it was definitely a good premise with there. I and don't even remember him. It's in one of the later episodes, like towards mm-hmm. the end of the series. It's just the episode's called Lock Lockup, oh. <laughs> incidentally. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be easy for you to find. So uh, yeah, thanks for letting us know your top uh, three villain picks at Batman Night Fan. And now I'll we should go. come up with a name for him for the Batman night fan. Yeah. <laughs> it's we, just too generic for you.
1: We should call him uh We should call him uh let's see uh we should call him Xavier.
0: Xavier. I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I I do like the name Xavier. It just sounds cool. So, and plus Yeah, but
1: it's it's not to be confused with the college Xavier. <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's not X Xavier. How you pronounce that college? It's Xavier. So, not to be confused, it's Batman fan, your name is Xavier.
0: If you can be associated with Professor X, I'll take that any day. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now I'll go ahead and give all the villains who appeared on the animated series that I'd originally created, besides the one we listed. Uh, we got Boss Biggs from The Forgotten. Do you remember him, Dane? The big fat guy <laughs> who, when Bruce loses his memory and he gets taken to that you know slave camp. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they didn't even say his name at all in the series, but I, I didn't find out his name until later. But he's definitely <laughs> one of the more unique villains <laughs> that the series has ever had. Then we got Arnold Stromwell, who was, you know, famous in It's Never Too Late and appeared in Robin's Reckoning. And then we got Lloyd Ventrix, the, the Invisible Man from See No Evil, which has a great final action sequence with, with Batman <laughs> that makes the water a fountain fall on him and he's visible and Batman just beats him up. <laughs> it was just really cool. And then we got Nostromo's from Prophecy of Doom, the f- fake uh, psychic who tries to extort money from Gotham's wealthy by predicting their like you know deaths are gonna happen. And <laughs> it was it was a forgettable episode, but the guy was just so stupid <laughs> it made you laugh at certain moments. And then we got Hardak from Hardest Steel, the computer program that tried to replace humans with the duplicates, And we know there's that episode, His Silicon Soul, where he did make a Batman duplicate. And then we got Emil Dorian and Tigris from Tiger Tiger. Uh, and then we got the Jazzman from I Am The Night, which was a great episode. He's a guy who shot Gordon and put him in the hospital, which, you know, at the end of the episode, he, is, he escapes and tries to finish the job off, but Batman takes him down. He was a pretty good villain, just has a that mobster type. And then from Zatanna, there's Montague Kane. The I actually just saw that episode two days ago, where he was like the his job is to prove magicians wrong and expose their tricks. Oh, and,
1: dang it, dang it! I should I should have said Montague Kane. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then there's it's uh, just
1: one of those things where you you don't think about him until you you hear his name. Yeah, and you just immediately think about him.
0: Exactly. And then there's Roxy Rocket from the New Batman Adventures. There's Calendar Girl. And then probably the worst originally created villain for the series, Farmer Brown from Critters. (laughs) Do you remember that episode, Dave? No, no, I don't. It's widely regarded as one of the worst episodes of the whole series. (laughs) It was so bad that Bruce Tim and Paul Dini and the crew, they did a commentary for it because they know it was one of their worst episodes on the DVD. And Their commentary definitely makes a lot more fun, but the whole premise of the villain who's a farmer and Creates genetically enhanced animals to wreak havoc on Gotham. And then there's a more, like he does some martial arts with his, uh, I don't know, a rake or a pitchfork, something like that. And he's going to Batman trouble. And even, How does he know karate? Exactly. He's a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> I think they even say that in the commentary. Oh. And Bullock's all like, you find up against the Joker, Two Face, and you're going to be taken down by Farmer Brown. So like, it seems like even in the episode while they're making it, they knew they're creating a villain that wasn't probably going to be, you know, someone that's <laughs> going to be remembered well. So maybe maybe that
1: was a filler episode.
0: It definitely was. <laughs> so those are all the ones I came up with when I looked at all the episodes. Hopefully, I'm not missing any, but. When I looked at it, it it's like, man, they really did come up with a lot of their own villains. And for the most part, all of them work really well. And of course, you know, the biggest one is Harley Quinn, who's just, you know, become one of the most popular Batman villains ever. So um, it's definitely a feat that I don't know if we'll see again in the upcoming Batman series at all. Because it seems like a lot of people just like to go to the classics, which there's nothing wrong with. But I think that's just one of those cool things that makes Batman the Animated Series even more special. Where they did such a great job with... Uh, adapting batman's classic villains but yet they did an awesome job too with creating their own so yeah definitely wanted to <laughs> do a topic about that and uh, tell you which ones are my favorites because i've just been thinking about that lately as i've watched the episodes how you know they've added so much to the batman mythos so
1: you could also say that they created victor freeze or mr freeze because i mean <laughs> he he was like a, a, a z-list villain before that
0: that's a very good point, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you probably could put him on there. The only thing is they didn't create his name. That's about it. And his gimmick of freezing people. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, though, yeah, they created what the backbone for what Mr. Freeze is today and probably for what he'll always be. So, yeah, that's going to do it for our future topic. But like I said, expect more animated series themes <laughs> down the line for our future topics. But... Uh, With that, we can move on to some news topics that happened since our last episode. And one of the big ones was that the Killing Joke animated movie officially got a rating, and it is rated R. And we've heard reports about how it is a possibility. Uh, Bruce Timm and James Tucker kind of said how Warner Brothers said they could do an R rating if they wanted to. And it was funny, actually, because the Justice League vs. Teen Titans movie just came out. And they have the you know preview for the Killing Joke that they have on all their Blu-rays for their next ones, and in that uh, little preview, Bruce Timm has said, "Nowadays, uh, we probably won't have to get an R rating. We can you know get everything we wanted to in the comic and still keep it PG-13." But <laughs> I guess it turns out that wasn't the case. That that comic is you know definitely pretty intense and has a lot of adult situations in there to make it an R rating. So <laughs> uh, Bruce Timm, I guess. Uh, overestimated the rating board a little bit (laughs) as far as thinking it could still be a PG-13. But when I saw this, I really wasn't too surprised because they kind of hinted at it before and we know how graphic that comic could be and you know how faithful they were going to be to it. So it's really not too surprising. It just, to me anyway, just goes to show you that they really are going to do a faithful adaptation for it once uh, the movie comes out. I don't know if you saw that preview. It made its way online, Dane, but man, the movie's looking awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I did see it. But what I'm more interested in is um, this, th- they're g- going to kind of do a, I don't know what you call it, like a, a prelude to The Killing Joke too, where they're going to tell more of a story. Yeah. That interests me, with uh, with Batgirl.
0: Yeah, it's cool, because Bruce Tim did say that a few months ago, too, how they're going to add certain things, and I'm always curious, oh, what are they going to add? And like you said, it is going to be a little prelude to it, with Barbara as Batgirl, seeing her... More of her before you know we see what Joker does to her in the story, which I think is really good. And like they said in that uh, featurette too, how you know it's gonna make you you know feel more for the character, let you get to know the character more. You know we've seen her background, plenty of stories. So as diehard fans, we'd probably have the same effect of seeing her get shot by the Joker if they didn't have that extra thing into there, that extra sequence. But I think it's just gonna help. Uh, for people who maybe aren't too familiar with this story and with Batgirl, but even for us fans too, it's just going to be something a little extra that makes it you know a little more hard to take when we see that moment happen. And yeah, I'm so glad they got Tara Strong back to do her voice, not to mention Kevin Conway and Mark Hamill. Oh, it's going to be so good.
1: <laughs> Can't forget about them.
0: Yeah. It's a Batman animated series reunion, and it's a perfect story, I think, to do it with. Yeah. And then after that, we got some news this week how... Uh, the DC universe is stealing actors from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movie. <laughs> uh, we knew a few months ago or a few weeks ago, that uh, J.K. Simmons is playing Commissioner Gordon in Justice League, and now William Defoe joins the cast of Justice League. So they didn't say who he's playing yet, but just that he is going to be in it. it but that it got me thinking: like, who could he possibly be? And I don't know. No, no one's really coming to mind. The only thing that I thought of, and I know this is probably a long shot. I wouldn't put money on this. But for some reason, I thought maybe Orion, because he, for some his hair color was kind of how Orion's was in the Justice League animated series. And for some reason, I thought maybe William Defoe could pull that off in some way. But I think he's older than what they'd want Orion to be and. I don't think as bulked up as Orion usually is, but for some reason that character popped into my head. And I know they're obviously going to do stuff with the new gods and dark side as was set up in Batman V Superman. So this made me think maybe if he could play that role or maybe in uh kind of heard reports and rumors that Atlantis is going to play somewhat of a big part in Justice League, so maybe he'll be someone from Atlantis, but other than that, and I know the Orion's such a long shot that I probably shouldn't even said it, because <laughs> I doubt that's going to happen, but it just makes you think, who is he going to play? Is he going to be anybody? Just a new character created for it. I don't know, did you think of anyone, Dane, when you were at the casting?
1: Uh, yeah, he's going to play Joker's dad, who was Joker before,
0: <laughs>
1: and um, Batman kills the 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 dad Joker, and then Jared Leto becomes Joker.
0: How does <laughs> no, that I was, sound? I was thinking when you said that you know, you've heard that theory of how maybe Jason Todd is yeah. this version of the Joker. Well, what if William Defoe is the real Joker? Uh, leads more into that theory. Oh, <laughs> might be onto something here, Dane. Yeah,
1: I think so. I think we should start this conspiracy theory. Uh,
0: I will say that's probably more likely than my Orion <laughs> idea. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll see who wins Wh- on that. Who one.
1: could he play? I mean, maybe he could be anybody. I know he really could. It's because you, you remember the guy with the no legs in Batman Batman movie. Yeah, everybody thought he was going to be the Flash. <laughs> he had those green things around his legs. Um. yeah, so he could be anybody. But I'd like to see him as, like you said, like somebody from Atlantis.
0: Yeah, just for some reason I think we probably shouldn't speculate too much on it, but being fans we can't help but speculate <laughs> on casting choices when they don't announce who they're playing. So, cause it could just be someone created just for the movie and who knows how big of a role he'll play in it, so... It's something we're going to have to wait and see. But still. Or scenes
1: could get cut. <laughs> exactly, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then show up later on an extended version. Yeah. extended version of Justice League. But we'll just have to wait and see. But in, until then, we can uh, keep watching a new Suicide Squad trailer that premiered a few weeks ago. And Dane, I feel a little... It's not going to be as exciting talking about it anymore considering how disappointed you were that that would be super... <laughs> and,
1: no, no, no. I, I will say... Margot Robbie looks really good in it. Yeah. Uh, she she looks like the perfect Harley Quinn. Um, I like the trailer.
0: It just has to deliver for
1: you now. It just has in to, the movie, the, the, the entire movie has to has to be good. You know.
0: Yeah. Um, but this, like you said, it's another cool trailer. The movie looks great. I think. I mean, it looks better and better the more I see of it, and. I can't help but just going back to the Joker and Harley shots we get in this. He said Harley had some more great moments in there. I love the sequence at the end where they're all on the bar and she's serving everyone drinks and you know, she's talking to El Diablo, He's like, Oh, I just want water. He's oh that's probably smart. Yeah. <laughs> just their interactions with all the different members of the suicide squad looks really good. And that one shot of the Joker, which I got a lot of people talking where his face looks, you know, burned and messed up. And it's hard to think it's a coincidence, but that looks just like out of a panel from Endgame for how uh, Greg Capullo designed Joker in that story. Even with the tux in, that he has on, it looks straight out of like one of the covers and pages he had from that storyline. And you know how much I loved Endgame. So if we get any nods to that, is awesome. So that looked really cool. And just, you know, that really look like a Joker moment right there. Because we know this version of Joker, it's probably going you know, to have a lot of different stuff, just visually, from you know, the tattoos and the chains and the grill that he has. So it is going to be a different Joker, but when we saw that shot, yeah, that sent like a classic Joker to me, and that looked really cool. And plus, we got more Batman. <laughs> and it's a small thing, but it's still like very cool seeing Batman just diving into the water with the breather he had on.
1: Oh, is that what that was? Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell what that was.
0: Yeah, it was like something... You see straight out of the animated series, or a comic, because you know Batman always has one on him. And I can't remember if we ever seen him do that in any of the movies. I, I know definitely not the Dark Knight trilogy, but if like Batman Forever or Robin, because you know all the wacky situations they were in in those movies, if yeah. he ever had to put one on. But
1: no, I don't. I don't think so. Maybe, maybe the, uh, the closest we get is those plastic lips. <laughs> that, that Robin puts <laughs> on. Oh
0: wow! It's
1: <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can think of that comes close to that. Oh, that's seems so stupid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, I forgot his line that he says afterwards. But this is how he rips those off out. <laughs> she kisses he them. Kills oh, them man. off. With <laughs> the liner <laughs> uh, Batman and Robin. <laughs> But yeah, Suicide Squad continues to look awesome, and I hopefully this is the last trailer, because I don't know, it just felt like their trailers have come in bunches. I know this is the third one, but it really should only be the second one, because the first one we got from Comic-Con, they put out because they had to, because of the leak, and they, we really weren't supposed to see it, so technically this should only be the second one, but in reality it's the third, and kind of feels like this should be it, because this one had just about... Uh, right amount of new footage and still showing some old stuff in there too, but I think this should be good, I think, to hold fans over, but part of me thinks we're still a few months out now that we probably will get one two months before release, so I don't know, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully the next one, if they do put one out, won't contain too much new footage, just enough to get your appetite, you know, wetted even more and be more excited for it. But we'll see. we still got a few months to go, but Suicide Squad, still looking like it's going to be right on track. And like I said, Dane, just hopefully it delivers for uh, more people than it did. Batman. Yeah. Well, I'll let you guys see it first before <laughs> I do. Yeah. Well, you'll know where I stand on it. Probably right away. Like the day, <laughs> I'll be sure to text you on it, <laughs> but yeah, that's going to do it for our main news stories. But I do feel we should probably recognize and pay a little respects to, you know, the passing of the Prince this past week. For you know, we kind of joke about it on past episodes. We talk about music, about yeah. the bat dance and everything, but uh, right. it is something you know. When I think back at Batman '89, and Prince did contribute to you know a big part of that movie. And I know for a lot of fans who love the soundtrack, and that's part of the reason that makes you know the movie more enjoyable. And I I would agree with that because when you hear some of those songs that are in the movie, like Trust or Party Man. It does like bring back good memories, you think of those sequences that you like for the movie, and if they weren't there, I think the movie would feel different and it just wouldn't be the same it did add to those moments with the Joker and it did play pretty well with that and especially in the movie now the Bat dance video about <laughs> was something I could either take a like take take it or leave it type thing, but um, you know you can't deny his contribution that he put into that movie, and I know that a lot of people enjoyed and yeah, my famous story of that soundtrack is that I think I said this before, where I my parents got it for me when they started listening to it and they had to take it right back because they felt I shouldn't be listening to uh, that soundtrack. I still don't know why. Every, I guess the lyrics that he was saying in there. I never actually oh. went back to listen to it, but yeah. yeah, for some reason I guess it wasn't suitable for a five-year or six-year-old Tim at the time. But um, well,
1: I I kind of have a story like that, but. Prince was actually the, the reason or the way I found the Batman universe. <laughs> like That's I've right, I've told yeah. this story before.
0: Uh-huh, yeah. Um,
1: this was back in like – I mean I, I'm sure you can go back in the, in, in the timeline of uh, episodes, but uh, this was around I'd say like the eighth or ninth episode of the, the original Batman universe podcast. Um, and I think it was just Dustin talking by himself. It was one of those episodes, mm-hmm. and I was looking for the Prince soundtrack because I wanted to listen to it because I never listened to that Prince soundtrack. So I was looking for it on iTunes, and um, this was, I guess, when they first started adding podcasts to iTunes. And uh, right below the, mu- the 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 music section was the the po- all the podcasts that had Batman in it, and. It, it popped up, so that's how I found the Batman universe.
0: <laughs> hey, so we pay, definitely played a big part in your Batman fandom because we wouldn't be here today, probably. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be we doing this
1: podcast if it, it. it wasn't for, was for Prince. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought?
0: <laughs> yeah, it just sucks that you know he's so young. Well, what was he fifty-seven? Yeah, fifty-six, yeah. I think.
1: Fifty-six. Wow. Yeah.
0: And yeah, I can't pretend to say I was ever a big Prince fan. But man, I have always had mad respect for him as a musician. His He's, he was a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a great guitarist. Yeah.
1: He was a great guitarist.
0: Yeah. I saw, of course, a lot of people tweeting about it on the day he died. And one that I saw was a really awesome tweet or a quote from Eric Clapton, like where someone asked, uh, So, Eric Clapton, how does it feel to be like the greatest living guitar player? And he says, I don't know. Go ask Prince. <laughs> it was like, when you see him play live, I think the one that comes to mind is. I was the tribute they were doing for George Harrison. I think it was at the for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you had like Tom Petty on there, you had yeah. a bunch of other musicians and then Prince came out for uh my while my guitar gently weeps and he just did this awesome guitar solo that just blew everyone away. Yeah. So yeah, despite me not being a big fan of his music. His musician skills cannot be denied. He was just really awesome. So it does suck to lose someone with great talent like that at such a young age. So yeah, just thought we should pay our respects for someone who contributed to the Batman uh, mythos in some way with his music. So there's nothing
1: like seeing Jack Nicholson dance the Prince.
0: You know, what? I was just going to ask, what's, <laughs> your, what's your favorite sequence? Party Man in the Museum or Trust in the Parade in Batman Eighty Nine? It's
1: got to be the Museum.
0: Yeah. <laughs> This Just how it starts, too, and he says, uh, he's like, what is the line? Now I'm blanking on it, as I said, how great it is. Yeah. What do you says? Well, what,
1: what makes that, that, a scene so genius is that Joker or one of his henchmen had the forethought to bring a boombox.
0: Yes. <laughs> That's what makes it work, where he goes, Lawrence? And then he clicks the play button, that big boombox. You see him walking around, and it plays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Always that's...
1: be prepared, man.
0: <laughs> See, it wouldn't be the same nowadays if someone would brought an iPod or a phone. Oh <laughs> and no, you those just...
1: speakers. Yeah, yeah. You, that scene was perfect because it's it's just one of those things that comes out of nowhere. Or something.
0: Yeah, <laughs> somebody brought a boombox so and it works so it well dance. too.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's to some prints.
0: Why we destroy art? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's it for our news and discussion topics for this episode. So we can go ahead and move on to our conversation with Alex and listener feedback. So Dane, I'll throw it over to you for Alex's email. Well, Alex says, "Well,
1: first off, he sent me like three drafts of of the same email. <laughs> that, that first one I sent you was that first draft. Then he sent me a second, and this is going to be his third.
0: So it's the final so, draft for yeah, Alex the final draft.
1: <laughs> I think he really needs to." to uh, you know, do it that way because for this email, he, uh, he has a lot to say.
0: I can't he wait says, to hear it, especially if it's different from the first draft you sent me. I'm so. <laughs> not
1: sure how different it is, but uh, I, I guess we'll see. Uh, he says, ahoy hoy. Thanks for another great episode, guys. I have to go back on my email from last week. I think I mis- misinterpreted Bruce Wayne and I failed to remember how traumatizing the murder of his parents was for him. I've been a Batman fan my entire life so I think I was holding on to an, a naive image I had to the character as a kid. I've had trauma throughout my childhood and I understand that it's tough to get through, the, through that kind of stuff. I took a psychology class last year and on a, all of a sudden I started crying because I tried to talk about some things in my life. When I was a kid. I just suppressed trauma with heavy metal, and then I later thought I should just man up and ignore it. Doctors kept wanting me to see therapists when I was a kid, but I never opened up because I figured everyone has problems. I just figured since Bruce had billions of dollars in loving people like Alfred and Leslie Tompkins, looking out for him, he would have been able to deal with the trauma better. I didn't have my parents shot in front of me at age 8, and live the lifestyle Bruce did, so I guess I'll never know how I would react. So, Suicide Squad is still looking great. I don't know what trailer I like better, but that's probably a good thing. I'm going to be boring though and still say that my most anticipated character is the Joker. I think everyone looks really cool. The Flame guy seems like he's going to be a real interesting character, but I can't help myself with Oh, sorry, but but I can't help myself. The scene with the Joker holding the grenade got me super excited, and as much as I love Heath Ledger, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be surprised if this take ends up being my favorite. I think the addition of Harley to the mythos adds a lot more dimension to Joker, which I appreciate since I feel like sometimes Joker feels more like an idea box than an actual character. Did you guys know that Jared Leto is older than Bat- Ben Affleck? That's crazy to me. I hope they explain why Batman hasn't killed the Joker in this movie, since he probably would have been the first person Batman would gun for after his breakdown. Maybe the tattoos are a joke on Batman's branding, a kind of I beat you to it. Hmm. You know, I never thought about that. Me neither, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And, it, and I didn't know that Jared Leto was older than Ben Affleck.
0: Me neither. He definitely doesn't look it.
1: <laughs> yeah. As to Josh's comment on my Justice League ranking, he's right that it was a very specific way I ranked them. I haven't been following Justice League, so I don't know who the lineup was. I started rewatching some of uh, Superman the Animated Series, and I wish Superman was written like that consistently. My complaints of the character were based on the movies and multiple comic stories that I read. To be fair, Batman has been... Interpreted and written to do things that I really don't like. I didn't like certain interpretations of the Playboy persona when it came to Bruce, because that didn't seem that it, that didn't make him a very respectable character for me to follow. I liked when the Playboy persona was written uh, as an early facade, where Bruce's reputation is the only thing that gets hurt. I don't like when writers write Bruce as an actual playboy because I don't believe Bruce would ever use woman like that. Bruce is so obsessive about ridding Gotham of any corruption that he wouldn't partake in any activity that would have any repercussions, whether it be physical or emotional suffering. There was that scene in the Batman, The Mask Phantasm, where the woman splashes wine on Bruce's face and talks about how he sets women up throws them away and i don't think bruce would partake in that tim
0: <laughs> he makes a really good point with that actually sure. but uh certain stories i know we're definitely where alex come from and i i would agree with that for the most part too but a lot of it is where you know it is just an act to keep that persona up there and i think and maybe this is going to sound very biased as being an animated series fan (laughs) and be that my favorite interpretation of the character that he doesn't do anything you know too much to hurt them at all emotionally where maybe some where that type of crowd that he hangs with might be a little too sensitive you know those rich like types who's maybe just looking for a good time or whatever and felt where bruce doesn't call back or whatever they get so offended by it and decide to splash wine in his face so I don't think he necessarily does too much to hurt him but I definitely agree with Alex coming from where he probably wouldn't Bruce wouldn't take into that you know for some that could you know that he such person on you know justice and all that wouldn't do anything to hurt anyone as bad as you know sometimes he's made out to be in other situations or or stories or interpretations so I would agree with that so just not, just not on the animated series front <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, basically, Soup's is all right in my book. I'm looking forward to the pre-New 52 run, written by Dan Jurgens and Scott Snyder's Batman the most in regards to DC's Rebirth. DC Rebirth. One of the libraries in Michigan just got a copy of Super Heavy, and I was able to, to order it through my library's website. So I'm working my way to catch up, Tim.
0: Well, if you heard my comic reviews on Super Heavy... Um Keep your expectations in check for that. (laughs) Definitely some great stuff in there, but definitely Snyder's weakest story, in my opinion.
1: I didn't know you could order books through libraries. Library websites.
0: See, I haven't been to a library in so, so long, I don't know what they do anymore. (laughs) Do they even 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 still have library library cards? (laughs) Yeah, do you you even have one, Tim? You know what? I'm sure there's one here, but I've never been to it. Really? Yep, at least wow. as long as I lived in Chino. All your life? No, and yeah. my old area—I used to go to the library all the time as a kid. So, oh, so, so where are you from? Uh, it's, it's a place called Alhambra, California, which you know, is kind mm-hmm. of like Pasadena. Oh.
1: yeah, so. sure. I know <laughs>
0: what that is. <laughs> Pasadena is kind of a familiar California spot. But, is it by uh, L.A.? Yeah, around there.
1: Well, oh, that was a nice uh, geography lesson. <laughs> the
0: geography uh, but, of where I lived is <laughs> just two spots.
1: <laughs> yeah. But uh, Alex always has questions, and uh, he has a bunch of questions this time. He has four of them. Uh, his first question is: What superhero personality? What, what superhero personality would you say that you relate to most?
0: That's a tough one. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> um, definitely uh, definitely not Batman. I do not have that personality. <laughs> no, <not Batman. laughs> Which, you know, a lot of people think it could come off as a jerk and all that stuff, but I, from what he does, I think it fits him. So I wouldn't mind if I even had that personality, if that was my natural personality. But I'd, uh, I'd probably go with the more Dick Grayson route. And again, I'm going to refer to the animated series version. <laughs> um <laughs> I am probably not as funny as Dick, but kinda of growing up just the the way that's sometimes frustrated feel where you get where you're being uh held like back by someone who's older than you or, you know, they like, try to be a little overprotective or you know, just that frustrating stuff of look being in someone's shadow. Being a a middle child, I can relate to that a little bit. So <laughs> I would say but at the same time too. How he works well with Batman and stuff where you know there's some frustrating moments, but yet you work well with that person. It's something I can relate to a little bit too. So I would go with Robin or Dick Grayson as Robin.
1: Yeah, for me, it's uh, Plastic Man.
0: <laughs> Who else could it be? <laughs> or uh,
1: or Booster Gold.
0: <laughs> you do much time traveling, Dane? <laughs>
1: yeah, a, a lot of time traveling. Um, but his uh, his second question is: I know Batman is your favorite, but who do you think is the greatest superhero, and why? I'm sure there's some good arguments for other heroes.
0: You know what? Would it be a cop out to say Batman is the greatest and my favorite? Because <laughs> yeah. that's truly how I feel. Batman. No, is...
1: no, no. You you have to pick somebody that's not Batman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, then I'm just gonna go to my second favorite superhero, which is Spider Man, and. Spider-Man i have to go with spider-man because he has a great origin story I mean, not just you know being bit by a radioactive spider but the fact that he tried to use it for money he didn't stop that robbery and it came back to haunt him with the death of uncle ben and that's you know uh, the way bruce made his promise to his parents is what drives him The letting that happen to uncle ben is what drives spider-man you know it's a whole great power because great responsibility i love that aspect of the character of spider-man that's he does what he does mainly because of that. And the whole thing with the bad Peter Parker luck, everything goes wrong for him, but yet it doesn't deter him at all from being you know, the best superhero he could be as Spider-Man. So, yeah, I'll go with Spider-Man.
1: Hmm. Uh, I am probably going to say... Oh, man, that's a tough one. Now that I really think about it. <laughs> Who should I say, Tim?
0: You can't say plastic man. <laughs>
1: oh, dang it. Uh Booster Gold then. <laughs> um Jeez. You know what? I am going to say. Now, you're not gonna believe me, Tim. <laughs> oh boy. And uh, a lot of people be? on this who listen to this podcast aren't gonna believe me. But I'm gonna say Superman. Wow, yeah. <laughs> because A comes from another world his whole world was destroyed uh, he lands on a foreign planet and he he's the essentially the only person like him and he's an alien to everybody and not only is he an alien but he finds it in himself to help other people even though he's not one of them he'll never be one of them and he finds it in himself to just take off for these people, even though it's not his own people. So that's why I'd say Superman.
0: I would agree with all those points you made. I just didn't expect to hear them from you. So it is surprising, <laughs> <laughs> but I can't argue it. Well, it's
1: it's kind of like the ultimate form of giving yourself to something, right?
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, his third question is, uh, "What supervillain do you find most sympathetic?" Hmm.
0: Sympathetic.
1: See, Alex's questions are really, really hard to think about.
0: You know, you can go. Mister Freeze is a great one, and maybe a little easy one, but yeah. And I'll go with Matt Hagen's Clayface. Watching his episodes oh, okay. again, he really is a. Sometimes some of it's brought it on himself, but you really feel for the villain for it or for what he goes through. Not even just Feet of Clay, but then in uh, Mudslide, where he has that uh, nurse who's trying to work on a formula to heal him up. And this is how, you know, <laughs> how miserable he is and how he just, just wants to be normal again. You feel for him, even though he's stealing <laughs> and doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing. And there's that moment in the episode where he's getting cured with that formula he stole, and Batman comes and shuts off the machine. And I always kind of felt Batman should just let it let him be cured and then take him in but at the same time he would have been more powerful and probably could have had a better chance to defeat batman so batman had to stop him but always wanted to see clayface and that version matt hagen get cured and you know go back to somewhat of a normal life because all that he went through with his accident and then being exploited by daggett and being transformed to uh, clayface yeah you do feel sorry for the character so i'll take clayface
1: you could also say the same thing for uh, Two Face. Yeah, definitely. Because he, uh, you know, he he had like massive psychological problems, mm-hmm. which was an interesting way to uh, introduce uh, Harvey Dent, Two Face.
0: Yes, but a great way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then only the um, that he was Bruce's friend too added to it also. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess he had to take Two Face now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm probably gonna I'm gonna go back to my favorite uh, Batman the Animated Series episode which is It's Never Too Late and I'm gonna say mm. Uh he's just a tragic character uh, he you know he's a crime lord and he focuses all of his attention on that and uh, he forgets about his his son who somehow gets addicted to drugs and he doesn't even know that his son is addic- addic- addicted to drugs, and it's, it's really hard to watch. I mean, that, that whole episode is really hard to watch for me. I don't know why. Um, it's, it's just a really, really sad episode, and Strongwell is a really sad character. Even though you know he is a crime lord, you, you end up feeling for him in the end.
0: Yeah, especially, like you said, at the end when he meets his brother again, that guilt he feels about his brother losing his leg at that yeah, yeah. station. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And his
1: brother's a priest,
0: uh-huh.
1: and it's it's really weird how you know one could go so bad, but one can you know become a priest.
0: Yeah, the uh, total opposite directions where they took yeah. their lives. So, yeah, that's a great choice too. See,
1: so, yeah, I'm probably gonna say that one. Um, his third, his third uh, question, fourth, or his fourth <laughs> question, fourth and final question is: Who is your favorite tertiary character in the Batman mythos?
0: See, is it? Well, he says Batman mythos, so he can't throw the villains in there. I mean, because my two favorite are Batman and uh, Robin, the Dick Grayson. But Joker is the greatest villain, so I would say Joker. But then a part of me wants to say Alfred too, just for how much he means to almost a lot of people in the Batman mythos. So
1: yeah, but you can also say Alfred is the main character in uh, Batman.
0: Yeah, but he. eh, I don't know. You can make an argument, I guess, but because would you say the same for Gordon? Because I kind of put Alfred and Gordon in the same, I guess, level as far as of their how much they're in the story, how like if they're main characters or not. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to stick with Alfred. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um,
1: My favorite tertiary character is probably going to be that elephant from, uh, Robin's reckoning.
0: I <laughs> uh, was it? Uh, I was his forget name? his name. <laughs> uh, I see. I should know this. Oh, sick guy. A, sick guy. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was a good elephant. He helped Dick Grayson up, uh, when he got knocked over by Tony Zuko and he waved goodbye to Dick when, uh, he went off with Bruce.
0: Yeah, he was the one who comforted him probably the most as he said goodbye. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, probably Zika?
0: Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Probably. <laughs> uh,
0: it's definitely more than Alfred, that's for sure. <laughs> that's see, really for See, now you're making me think, is Alfred really? Because <laughs> 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 I just felt he's, he's a main character, but he's not one of theming characters but he is anything I don't know he is a supporting character at the same time also a main character so I don't know (laughs) that's
1: it from Alex Alex we love you thank you for sending in your emails so keep sending them in we like reading your emails and answering your tough questions Yeah,
0: especially on this one because you always give great insights of how you view bruce wayne and like his personality is different character races over the years from your own experiences which is cool to hear it just gives us you know perspective on what how other fans uh, view the character that they were fans of and why they were fans yeah. of.
1: so thanks for that. or even that whole joker thing yeah exactly he has his tattoos.
0: so yeah thanks as always alex but before we move on from the listener feedback i just want to give uh some shout outs to uh some twitter followers we had who shared with us some pretty cool images and funny i should add uh we got one from uh harlock 13 from at harlock 13 he sent us a kind of a collage image of batman and the jokers from you know some of their big moments of the dark knight and film the arkham games and the comics it was just one that looked really cool put together so that was cool to see and then we got a funny one from joe flores from at uh metal fan in black he sent uh it's a meme where it says uh you want to get nuts where it has uh, Bruce saying that to Joker Batman 89. Then on the bottom, it said, let's get nuts. And then you see a Photoshop image of Batman uh, picking up nuts and putting it into a bag at a uh, supermarket with Joker looking in the background. <laughs> it, right when I saw it, I started busting up. <laughs> when you, you, actually, you could kind of easily think that when he says that, but... For me personally, I never did, but <laughs> just when I saw when I saw that picture, it's like, <laughs> yep, that's one way to interpret it. That's really funny. So, thanks for starting sharing that with us, Joe. That was pretty funny to see. I got a kick out of it, or no, I should say I cracked up at it. You know, like cracking nuts. Ha ha ha. I tried. So, yep. With that, that's going to be it for our listener feedback, and we can go ahead and move on into our comic book reviews. And for this episode, it's going to be. TMNT Batman number 5. And as always, we're going to go into full spoilers as we review it. And so if you haven't read it yet, you might want to hold off and then check back and listen to it when you uh, do read it because this story has been amazing. <laughs> and I'm kind of sad that we're only one issue away from the final one. So bittersweet moment coming up. But for our rating scale, well, what should it be, Dane?
1: Our rating scale for this episode will be Uh, VIP seats at Yankee Stadium that are empty.
0: (sighs) Sadly, it's going to be more than our five ranking scale. (laughs) It's going to be rows and rows. (laughs) But, yeah, so like I said, the last issue or the second to last issue of this Awesome, awesome crossover between Batman and the Turtles. And this one, it gets started off with Batman, Leo, and Raph uh, coming to Commissioner Gordon as he shines the Bat-Signal. And he's letting them know about what's going on with Arkham, at Shredder's taking over. Well, he doesn't know who Shredder is, but some ninjas have taken over Arkham and, you know, Batman has to go stop them. But before they leave, the Penguin comes and he kind of tells them more about what Shredder has planned because he thinks he's going too far and doesn't really want to be a part of it and wants to save his own neck because shredder has something planned that we'll get to at the end of the issue that <laughs> it's going to be pretty interesting for Batman to deal with. So Batman, Leo and Raph uh, leave Gordon's rooftop and as they're swinging down, Leo starts feeling sick and he just collapses. And it's the mutagen uh, effect in this world uh, coming on and where it's leaving him because in this world and universe it doesn't exist and like they established in previous ep- or issues they're going to turn back to normal turtles eventually if they stay here so leo collapses they have to get him back to the Batcave. cave but as we kind of goes back to the Batcave, cave we see mikey and don donnie playing a video game on the back computer because what else would you do on the back computer <laughs> you hook up a video game system and you play on there so but after that Probably the highlight of this issue for me is where Damien <laughs> comes uh, in the bat cave and is like, what are you guys doing here? And like, what are you doing on the back computer? Like you're playing games and of course the turtles and Casey Jones now with them and they are saying, Hey, what you're just five years old. What are you going to do? And he just flips Casey on his back and it, him and, then Damien and Donnie and Mikey start going at it, and Damien just wrecks them. <laughs> they didn't even stand a chance. It was a pretty cool action sequence scene. The Turtles try to get Damien underestimated because of the kid, and he just mops the floor of them. So It was a pretty cool action sequence. And the only thing that probably saved the Turtles' lives is Batman <laughs> arriving and telling Damien to stop, and that they can trust him. So once the fighting stops, and Batman brings Leo to the Batcave, uh, Casey Jones tells him that um, he was here because he has a way for them to, you know, get back to their own universe, and he knows what's going to happen if they stay. So, this is kind of the point where they have to leave. But even though they know Leo doesn't want to leave because he wants, you know, feels they have to stop Shredder from what he's going to do to Gotham. But, you know, Batman convinces them that they have to leave, otherwise, you know, they're just going to resort back to their normal form. So, Splinter and the turtles, uh, it makes it look like they're going to leave. They say their goodbyes, and but you know they're going to come back because this isn't the last issue. and <laughs> They're not going to leave on this front. And they're leaving Batman and Robin to deal with Shredder at Arkham. So after they say their goodbyes, Damian and Batman leave. And Damian tells Batman how he knew the League of Assassins were coming into Gotham, but he wasn't able to stop them in time. And then right before they are about to go into Arkham, they get... Uh, they're seen by Penguin again. But this time, (laughs) he's literally a penguin. (laughs) Schrader is using mutagen on all the inmates at Gotham. So the first, I thought, oh, he just got to Penguin so far, but then the very last page of the issue is this big uh, image of pretty much all of the, or at least popular Batman villains about to attack Batman and Robin mutated into animals. And I don't know, I'm a little mixed on this, because this is one of the things, I liked how you know, I say grounded loosely, being there's mutated turtles working with Batman, but the story still stayed pretty grounded as far as not going too crazy and out there. And I don't know, maybe it's just the way they're designed in this page, but some of the villains, I think, it's a little too out there to have all of them go and be mutated into animals. Some of them just don't look right. So, I don't know, I'm still a little torn at how this is all going to play out. It could be make for a fun action sequence in the final issue, seeing Batman and Presumably the Turtles, as they're probably going to make their way back to how Batman take out Shredder and now an army of mutant Arkham inmates. So uh, we'll just wait to see how it plays out, but I can't say I was like, you know, I was geeking out and having a big fanboy moment when I saw this. It took me back a little bit, at the, but at the same time, it could be kind of fun. So we'll have to wait and see. But Dane, I kind of want to see what you think. I'm going to list off some of the villains that are in this page, and you try to guess what animal they mutated into. See how okay. right you're on. Okay. How about, uh, we'll start with the biggest one. How about the Joker?
1: He mutated out of a card.
0: Now, they're all animals, I'll say that. Oh, I they're think. all animals. Yeah,
1: uh-huh. uh, a, a chipmunk.
0: <laughs> Someone, Did I get it right? A creature who eats chipmunks. You turn into a snake.
1: Oh, a snake. Okay. How about
0: how about Two Face? Uh,
1: a double-headed snake. <laughs> <laughs> he looks. He's a monkey. Oh, he's a monkey.
0: How about Mister Freeze?
1: A polar bear.
0: Oh, right on the money. <laughs> oh, I
1: got it. That was the easiest one.
0: Okay. Here's another easy one: scarecrow.
1: Um, a horse. <laughs> <laughs> a,
0: a crow. <laughs> oh, a crow. <laughs> and oh, here's the last one. I'll ask you: What do you think? Bane turned into.
1: Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, he turned into a rhino.
0: Close. He turned into an elephant. Oh, an elephant. Yeah. I have to say, out of all of them, he looks the coolest. The mask over there like, with the elephant trunk and a tusk, it looks pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> and then uh, the Riddler is a raccoon. Mad Hatter is a, a rabbit, <laughs> fitting. Oh, of course. Uh, poison Ivy looks to be a mantis. And then uh, the Ventriloquist looks to be a pigeon. And Scarface didn't get mutated, so he's still a puppet. So. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all the villains that were on the page. And the one thing that kind of bugged me about it, I don't think Joker would have done this. I mean, I don't know if Shredder forced them and didn't them knowing or they willingly accepted the mutagen. I just have a hard time seeing Joker going along with this, whether um, he wanted to do it or if uh, he was forced to. I think he would have found a way out if he didn't want to be mutated. So I don't know. This seems a little weird for the Joker to be part of that. But like I said... I'll have to see how it all wraps up in the next issue. But again, still very enjoyable. Great moment with Damian and uh, Donnie and Mikey and Casey Jones. That fight was pretty cool. And seeing the turtles with Batman on the rooftop with the bat signal, visually, it looked pretty awesome. (laughs) So that was a geek out moment, I have to say. So I'm going to give this one four out of five empty VIP seats at Yankee Stadium. This series uh, continues to just be solid all the way around. I mean, there's one issue left, so... Even if the last issue doesn't wrap it up as nicely as I wanted to, I, I think I'm at the point now where I'm ready to say this whole series crossover was a massive success and exactly where I want it to be. So I can't wait for it to wrap up. Wow. So, yeah, Dane, who, I know... Who would have thought? <laughs> I had hopes, but I didn't think it'd be this good. I would, <laughs> I would recommend once it comes out in trade that you should give it a shot. It's just so much fun. I
1: don't know. I just can't get over the... The the Turtles. I just can't.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I know it's crazy content when you think about it, but it's just so much fun.
1: Yeah, oh well.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully my reviews are entertaining for you enough. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you seem to like it, and so does Mark, so...
0: Yeah, well, we geek out about it so much after every issue. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, did you want me to do the, the end?
0: Yeah. Uh, oh. If you could.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh... Go over to batmanuniverse.net so on facebook.com. The uh, uh, Batman Universe and the Twitter handle is at batmanuniverse. Uh, Tim's Twitter handle is at timg311.
0: That and, is right, and you <laughs> said it right. Yes.
1: <laughs> and my Twitter handle is at dane says banana. Uh, you can rate and review us on iTunes, so please do that. And you can email the show at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. Our show's podcast is Ad Bad Fans 27. Uh, At Bad Fans Podcast.
0: <laughs> you never had trouble with that before, but. <laughs> yeah, now I do. It was a pretty smooth transition when we changed <laughs> our Twitter handle, but I guess I had to be one.
1: Yeah, Ad Bad Fans Podcast. So, with that, we love you. We love you. We love you. If you're listening to this, we love you. Um, just remember that you ever feel alone in this world, just know that Tim and Dane care about you. We really do care about you, so just remember that if you ever feel alone in this world, right, Tim? That's right. You
0: never will feel
1: alone you got that. Yes. So with that said, we'll see you guys next time. Next time we do this, I'll be back. I'm going to try to do two in a Tim. <laughs> well,
0: Nick, if you just like the Yankees, they're two game winning two podcasters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next time.